The following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. If you want to listen to some good gaga about the wrestling business, you've got to listen to Perched on the Top Rope with Lee. I listen to it every day and night, even when I'm on the loo. See ya, folks. Bushwhackaloo. Welcome, everyone, to Perched on the Top Rope. I am your host, former dirt sheet writer from the Daily DDT, the sportster, the richest ringside news and sports kita. I am Lee Walker, and this is the WWE Survivor Series War Games Prediction Show. And before I talk about Survivor Series War Games that's tonight, let's go back into the history of Survivor Series, shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, this all started in 1987. Yeah, that's right, 1987. It's the second longest running pay-per-view now known as premium live event in the history of the WWE. It's right behind WrestleMania. It's considered one of the now big five pay-per-views that WWE has as it's the flagship of WrestleMania, the Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, SummerSlam, and Money in the Bank. Now, the traditional Survivor Series was characterized by having the Survivor Series-style tag team elimination matches, which featured teams of four or five wrestlers against each other, And it was an elimination-style match, so surviving team wins, and you didn't always have your whole team surviving. Uh, We saw this change in 2022 with the, I guess, call-up of War Games, you know, that was used in NXT, which sees often four to five competitors in a two-ring surrounded by a steel cage. Now, the original War Games had a lid on it in World Championship Wrestling. Now, there's intervals between each time that wrestlers come out in in the War Games-style match, and Triple H had introduced War Games to Survivor Series as an evolution to the pay-per-view, a time of change, if you will, the traditional four-on-four or five-on-five elimination-style match is no longer. And we have Survivor Series War Games now. Now, these teams, during the Survivor Series, the traditional style, there were no storylines to them. They didn't make sense. That was up until 2016, when WWE would do raw versus smackdown at survivor series 
and then they started incorporating NXT, which one year we actually saw NXT win Survivor Series. So this is a new way for the pay-per-view with War Games, but let's take a look at the 2023 Survivor Series War Games card. We have the Intercontinental Championship, Gunther taking on The Miz. Now, all of this had started dating back to October 30th on an episode of Raw when Gunther was supposed to be a guest on The Miz's talk show, Miz TV. However, The Miz was interrupted by Gunther's Imperium stablemates, Giovanni Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser, who stated that Gunther would not appear on the show. After some arguing, however, Gunther came out and stated he did not respect The Miz, as he viewed Miz more as an entertainer than a serious professional wrestler. With Miz then saying he himself was the one who had the Intercontinental Championship prestigious and could do it again. After Emporium began to destroy the Miz TV set, Miz then attacked Emporium, but Gunther got the upper hand. This would seemingly turn Miz face, and we have not had a Miz turn since January 2020. Later on, Raw, Miz asked the Raw general manager, Adam Pearce, for a championship match after Gunther, but Pearce declined as there were others who wanted a title match. They all came into the locker room, or, you know, office, as you will, and it would set up a fatal four-way match between The Miz, Ricochet, Bronson Reed, and Ivar. Now, this is where it gets interesting, because this was the episode... November 6th on Raw when this match takes place. And there was a spot in the match where Ricochet is seemingly hanging onto the middle and top rope, like in the middle of the ropes themselves. And Bronson Reed like hits the ropes to springboard Ricochet into Ivar for a Hurricane Rana. It was a great spot. It looked great. However, when you go back and watch it, Ricochet hits the back of his head on the way down from the Hurricane Rana. The rest of the match, you could seemingly see that Ricochet wasn't fully all there. You could just see it in his movements and the way he was wrestling, he fell a couple times. So it was kind of shockingly to see that they didn't stop and have him checked out or anything like that. They continued the match. And there was a spot at the end with 
Ricochet and The Miz are both on the ground and Bronson Reed goes to the top rope Ivar goes to the other rope Ivar hits the moonsault onto Ricochet Bronson misses his splash off the top rope to The Miz and The Miz rolls up Bronson Reed while Ivar is pinning Ricochet Ricochet kicks out on the two count and counts the three count for The Miz thus The Miz wins the match on November 6th on Raw to gain an Intercontinental Championship opportunity at Survivor Series War Games now I'm curious and thinking in my head you as the fans listening why is he talking about this so much well that's because Ricochet was not supposed to kick out it was supposed to happen where the Miz and Ivar simultaneously get the three count and both of them win the match and Adam Pearce was supposed to announce the next week on Raw that Miz would face Ivar for the opportunity to face Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship at Survivor Series War Games. However, because Ricochet kicked out, the ref had to count the three count, and then after the match was trying to tell Miz, no, you didn't win, no, you didn't win, and then the ring announcer announces the Miz winning the match, and the referee again tried saying no, no, no. But that was the case as the ref was like, didn't know what to do, and raised the Miz's hand, and this is where we have the audible. So the Miz is going on to face Gunther. Now, I don't know who was supposed to win between Ivar and the Miz, if it was supposed to be Ivar, I'd be a little upset by this blown spot. Not gonna lie. However, I think what we're going to see is hashtag and new intercontinental champion, The Miz. Why do I say that? There's a number of reasons. Uh, first off, I can see that with this face turn of The Miz, they want to start it off strong, and what a stronger way than dethroning the man who holds the record for longest days for a singular run with the Intercontinental Championship, Gunther. There's also the fact that there is internal conflict in Imperium with Giovanni Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser and we could see that play into this match and cost Gunther his championship. And if The Miz is to win this match, he would tie Chris Jericho with the most title reigns at nine with the WWE Intercontinental Championship. So good luck, Miz, and start me off 1-0. Now the next match is the Women's World Championship as champion 
and seemingly leader of the Judgment Day, Rhea Ripley, will be taking on Zoe Stark. Now, this feud seemingly started back at, well, really before Crown Jewel, as Zoe Stark was one of the five participants in the Fatal Five-Way for Rhea Ripley's World Championship, which Ripley did retain. And on the following episode of Raw, Zoe Stark would win a battle royal to face Ripley for the title one-on-one at Survivor Series War Games tonight on the Peacock Network. The only difference is WWE has seemingly put this storyline on the back burner as we've seen Rhea Ripley be more involved in storylines involving the whole Judgment Day as opposed to this storyline. We've had a couple of promos and things like that, but nothing to make this an overwhelming match where it gives you the belief that Zoe Stark could win the match. There just hasn't been enough coverage of this match. There hasn't been enough story to it. And with that being said, I'm going hashtag and still women's world champion. Judgment Day leader, Rhea Ripley. Now, I'm going to say we have the first war games match we have the women's war games match folks as it is the team of Bianca Belair Charlotte Flair Shotzi and the man Becky Two Belts Becky Lynch taking on damage control Bailey, Asuka, Io Sky and Kari Zane This is interesting because in both the men's and women's face teams, we seemingly just have throw-togethers. Where damage control is established, and a lot of this can date back to WWE's SummerSlam PLE. When Bianca Belair defeated Asuka and one of her partners, Charlotte Flair, in a triple threat match for the WWE Championship, but immediately lost it to Io Sky because Io cashed in her money in the bank contract. Smart move, and I love the move, by the way. After the event, Damage Control began feuding with Asuka. As well as Flair, who, you know, she sided with Asuka. Damage Control had sidelined Belair with a knee injury. And Eosky subsequently retained her championship in matches against Asuka and Flair thanks to interference from Damage Control, Bailey and Dakota Kai. After Belair made a return in late October, Sky retained her title against Belair at Crown Jewel. 
And then we saw the return of Kari Sane, making her first appearance in WWE since July 2020. On that following episode of SmackDown, Sky and Kai said they brought Sane in to make their group stronger, with Zane praising Bailey for her leadership and also said that she forgave Bailey for attacking her back in July 2020. They were then interrupted by Belair, Flair, and Asuka, and this would result in a six-woman tag team match to take place on SmackDown later that night, which would end in a no contest after Asuka turned on Belair and Flair, and she subsequently reunited with Kari Sane, her former tag team partner, and joined Damage Control. Now, Shotzi attempted to come out and make a save, and she was then beaten up. A week later, Damage Control represented by Bailey, Sky, Asuka, and Sane, challenged Flair, Belair, Shotzi, and a partner of their choosing to war games. Now, the challenge was accepted, and SmackDown general manager Nick Eldis gave Belair's team until the end of the night to select their fourth member and they would choose Raw's Becky Lynch. And after that, Damage Control would take out the rest of their team. Now, also later in that night, folks, we would find out... <laughs> this is... I, I kind of hate this, to be honest with you. WWE announced that Ruffles sponsored a fan vote and it would be held to determine which team would receive the war games advantage. Now, leaving this up to the fans, folks, I'm going to assume that it's going to be Bel Air, Flair, Becky Lynch, and Shotzi winning the fan vote. Now, as far as my predictions for this match... There's a men's team and a women's team that are both throw togethers going up against heavily experienced factions here, with the women being damage control and the men being judgment day. I'm going to say in this match, I'm literally torn, so I'm just going to say whatever first comes to head because I've been thinking back and forth for way too long. I'm going to say damage control. Damage control win. And this will bring us to our next match. And the next match is Santos Escobar taking on Dragon Lee. That's right, you heard me right. It is no longer Carlito, but Dragon Lee will make his PLE debut at Survivor Series War Games. And how did this all turn about? Well, it all started when November 10th episode of SmackDown, 
the Latino World Order addressed leader Rey Mysterio's loss of the United States Championship at Crown Jewel against Logan Paul. Now, Logan Paul used brass knuckles to win the match, which, during this now heated discussion on SmackDown, Carlito blamed Santos Escobar as he had left the brass knuckles on the ring apron. This left Escobar in disbelief of the accusation, and then later turned heel on Mysterio by injuring his left knee and striking it with the steel steps. The following week on SmackDown, Escobar said that Mysterio was his hero, but after meeting him, he realized he was wrong. A confrontation with the other LWO members, Joaquin Wilde, and Cruz del Toro and Zelina Vega occurred where Escobar would attack Wild and Toro Carlito came out to make the save and Escobar escaped uh, later a match between Carlito and Escobar was announced for Survivor Series War Games and however last night on Smackdown Carlito and Escobar brawled which resulted in Carlito sustaining an arm injury. Now Dragon Lee came to Carlito's aid, and we learned it will be Dragon Lee replacing Carlito in the match against Escobar. Now, interesting enough, we have also heard the rumors that Escobar is set to start his own faction, and he's going to start it with a few others who also have wrestling history in their blood, such as Angel Garza and Helberto, who are cousins in real life. And since there is a replacement in this match, I would have said if it was Carlito and Santos, I would have said Carlito was going to win because that would have marked Carlito's first pay-per-view or in this case, PLE match since Armageddon 2007 when he faced Triple H. However, we don't have that now, and I think Escobar gets the win here, bringing us to the main event, which the main event is Cody Rhodes, Seth freaking Rollins, Jey Uso, Sami Zayn, and the Viper. Randy Orton taking on the Judgment Day. Damian Priest, Finn Balor, Dirty Dominic Mysterio, J.D. McDonough, and Drew McIntyre. Now this all dates back to June when Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes, Jey Uso, and Sami Zayn had all been involved in various rivalries with the Judgment Days, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, Dominic Mysterio, and at the time, their associate, J.D. McDonough. And on the November 6th episode of Raw, we saw a brawl between all eight men. Fed up with the constant chaos caused by the Judgment Day, Raw General Manager Adam Pearce announced that Rollins, Rhodes, Uso, and Zayn would face the Judgment Day and McDonough in a War Games match at Survivor Series. The following week, 
Rhodes and Priest were revealed as the leaders of their respected teams, while McDonough was made an official member of Judgment Day. And at the end of the night, it would be Drew McIntyre, who had been talking with Rhea Ripley and had his own past issues with Uso due to Uso's involvement in the bloodline. And due to those issues, McIntyre would help Balor and Priest retain the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship in a rematch against Rhodes and Uso. On the next episode of Raw, McIntyre was added to the Judgment Day's War Games team, and later that night, he defeated Jey Uso to earn the War Games advantage. Now, this left Team Rhodes having to find a fifth member. And Rhodes had somebody in mind that he could call. And that night he revealed it to be Randy Orton. Now, Orton's been out with an injury since May of 2022. And he was last working with Riddle, who is no longer in the company. So will we see a heel turn from Randy Orton? Will we see Drew McIntyre turn on the Judgment Day? We're going to have to find out, and we will find out later tonight, if McIntyre or Orton turn, they cost their team the match. And I'm going to say bringing Orton back as a face, Seth Rollins as the champion, the Viper's always been known to like going after championships, after all he is a 14-time world WWE champion, I'm going to say Orton turns and Judgment Day wins the match, folks. Which, if that is the case, it is War Games. You could see Damian Priest even cash in his money in the bank after this match. So also be on the lookout for that. Now I'm sure you're all thinking, how did you just go all this time and not bring up CM Punk? Well, that's easy. I don't see CM Punk showing up to this event. So I'm just trying to be realistic and not get my hopes up. If CM Punk is going to be at WWE Survivor Series or shows up in any way, shape, or form, not only will I be shocked, but yes, I would all, I would actually also be happy. But I guess we're going to have to wait and find out, folks. Now, those have been my predictions. Make sure you go back and you listen to all of the other episodes, including awesome interviews with AEW's Lance Archer, episode 159. Make sure you listen to episode 162, interview with NWA's Samantha Starr, and episode 164 with WWE's Yoshi Tatsu. You can also go back and listen to all the other episodes on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Podcircle, Red Circle, you name it, we're there. It's perched on the top rope. And for all of you who have kept up kept us on your chartable charts, we thank you. You can also find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash perched on the top rope and youtube.com at perched on the top rope. 
where you can also watch those interviews I just mentioned, as well as unboxing videos of WWE and other merchandise, AEW, ring worn gear, action figures, you name it, I collect it. It's youtube.com slash perched on the top rope. You can also go to TikTok at perched on the top rope where you can find Selena scenes using Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On because after all that makes wrestling moments in history that much better especially when it's Zack Ryder winning the Intercontinental Championship at Wrestlemania 32. And if you don't like that folks you can go watch Kevin Sullivan get humped by a dog. It's on TikTok perched on the top rope. You can also find us on twitch.tv slash perched on the top rope where I am currently ranked 153 in AEW's Stadium Stampede on AEW Fight Forever on the Xbox. I also play WWE 2K3 because I love the Elimination Chamber. I like War Games. And I like the Royal Rumble. So make sure you go there, twitch.tv slash perched on the top rope. We play every Sunday at 9 p.m., folks, Eastern Time. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash perched on the top rope. We are on Twitter, or X, as you call it. It is perched top rope because perched on the top rope is too long. However, if you go follow us on Instagram and threads, it is perched on the top rope podcast because apparently that's not too long for that platform. However, fans, remember... Spoiler freeze, the way to be. I'm out. Mm-hmm.